Well, it's great to be with you today, uh, wherever you are, whether you are on Zoom, uh, whether you're listening to uh, this via recording, or for those here in the auditorium. If you have your Bibles close by, then I invite you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. You know, one of the things that I think is amazing is the, the influence that we have on others. What we soak up and what others soak up from us as well. From the types of shoes that we wear through to the hairstyles that we have, whether we support AFL or football, which teams we support in those different codes. And it's one of the biggest influences that we ever have is that of our families, the families that we grew up in. For better or for worse, they have a massive impact and have had a massive impact on our life. For Mary and I, when we do pre-marriage counselling, we talk to um, couples as they're getting together and we talk about their families of origin. And one of the big areas that we see the influence of uh, families that uh, the, the couple have grown up in is in two specific areas. One is the handling of money and how that's done. The other is the handling of conflict. For some people, they like to deal with conflict, you know, and get it dealt with. For others, it's more a case of, no, no, we don't deal with conflict. We bury it. We, we pretend it doesn't exist. And that we as kids learn from our parents on how to handle money and conflict and those sorts of things. It's little wonder then that God recognises the influence and, and the influence that families have on others and encourages us to draw attention for future generations to God. We read about this in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 9. Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 9. And we read these words in Deuteronomy chapter 6, 4 to 9. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. If you've got a different translation, that's okay. I'm sure you'll be able to follow on. Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 9. Listen, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord alone. Uh, sorry, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you are on, a, on the road, when you're going to bed. And when you're getting up, tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on your doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now, while this passage focuses primarily on the biological family, um, I also want to draw our attention to the impact that this passage has on the church family as well. God wants us to positively influence future generations. Now, one of the privileges that I've had over the years is to spend time visiting a variety of churches. I was in a state youth role in Queensland and I had a chance to visit a whole heap of churches in Queensland and across Australia and also into Asia. And over this time, I've noticed that there's some things that I'd like to draw our attention to just for a few moments and reflect on. The challenge for us today is that our children and our grandchildren 
often learn more about spirituality from the world out there than they do from within their own families. Children, through to young adults, continue to be spiritually receptive and the world is feeding it to them by the trough full. While Mary and I don't have Netflix at home, a quick scan yesterday, just yesterday, of the most popular programs reveals shows like Lucifer, Unsolved Mysteries with Paranormal Activity, Warrior Nun, Stranger Things, The Sinner, The Order, and The Witcher are all high-rating popular shows on Netflix at the moment, just to name a few of them. Music artists are being regarded as the priests and the priestesses of spirituality for a new generation. Now, I'm not saying that there's not good things on TV or on the radio. Christian Music hits the ARIA, the Australian Recording Industry Association's top 10 on a regular basis. But there are also occasions where we find that Eastern meditation is being taught in schools. I remember talking to a, a student in a drama class where she was encouraged by the teacher to enter into her mystical third eye. And she told me that this was a really significant experience for her. But for followers of Jesus, that's not the way God wanted it to be. You see, God wanted things to be different for us. Let's read again from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Moses calls God's people to immerse their future generations in what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I suggest this goes beyond laws and traditions, but looks more into the experience of what it means to be a, in a relationship with Almighty God. In Psalm 71, verses 17 and 18, and Paul read this for us just last week, we heard these words that Paul read from Psalm 71. O oh God, you have taught me from my earliest childhood, and I constantly tell others about the wonderful things you do. Now that I'm old and grey, do not abandon me, O God. Let me proclaim your power to this new generation, your mighty miracles to all who come after me. We need to regain relevance to the generations that follow by rediscovering our own spirituality. Uh, when many children and young adults compare their own culture to that of mainstream church. One of three things generally takes place. They choose the world out there as opposed to mainstream church and, and their faith culture within their family. They choose the world out there. Or they're confronted with the conflict, but they soon get frustrated with the church's apparent inability to express the gospel in real life terms. So they either suppress their frustrations, stuffing it deep down, and, and stay choosing the church culture over the, the generations that they hang out with, or they try to live in two conflicted worlds. Or they go on to try to express the gospel in real life 
and sometimes, unfortunately, live on the fringe of church. In their book, New Celts, Roger Ellis and Chris Seaton point out that the Holy Spirit wants to come upon people in their own culture. When our outreach to youth does not operate on the basis that is relevant to the youth we seek to reach, we see a vast loss of young people from the church above the age of 14 and a huge gap of a whole generation between 18 to 35. These disturbing facts they go on to write show that we have been unable to establish church that both reflects the values of Jesus and is relevant to the cultures of those generations. We need to proclaim the message and establish community that is genuinely for all people, one that enables an expression of true, credible Christian faith. Once people experience a taste of church that is in their language and culture, it inspires them to greater depths with God and empowers them in their spiritual growth. As followers of Jesus, we need to model to the next generation what it means to engage our spirituality and connect with the creator of the universe, where the eternal meets the temporal. When I reflect on the passage that Leah read from John chapter, nine, John chapter 4, 19 to 26, what stands out for me is a dynamic relationship with God that is expressed through our intellect, that's our reasoning and our thought, our emotions, our affections, and our in intentions, our drive and our will. And it's done with integrity, true to who we are. And we need to model our spirituality to the next generations that follow. Let's look again at Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 5 and 6, and then also skipping down to verse 8. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your uh, foreheads as reminders. Part of the reason that the generations that follow look elsewhere is because there is at times a lack of role models in the church and in families where we are prepared to publicly express what it means to be in a relationship with God. Some of us are reluctant, reluctant to model. Others, unfortunately, have inherited little but traditions partly because previous generations before us have forgotten what it means to model um, their spirituality to us. Spirituality, our relationship with God, is more than just a three-song sandwich, petitionary prayers under artificial light. It's beyond daily bread or every day with Jesus. We need both meat and veggies. A friend of mine took the discipline, uh, disciplinary, uh, the discipline of practicing praying through the watches of night. Kathy organised it with God that God could wake her at any stage in the night, and that when God did, He was inviting her to get up and spend some time chatting with Him. Now that's far different to the type of engagement with God that I was taught where I initiate the take, talking to God and I conclude it when I finish saying what I want to say. Basically, I dial 
And then when I'm done, I hang up. We also need to rediscover ways of expressing our spirituality, whether it be through flowers, song, poetry, story, craft, drama, reflective readings, movement and dance. Through this, we move our personal relationship with God out of the private and into the public. And we share our experience with others and allow their experiences also to enrich us. It must be more than just the stuff of Sundays. Once again, Deuteronomy chapter 6 gives us a precedent for this. In Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 9, write them on your doorposts of your house and on your gates. These are not private things. These are not things that are behind locked doors. These are things that are out in the public realm. We can't make excuses as well. We can't make excuses and think that people don't care about spirituality. A study by McCrindle Research found that only 30% of the Australian population did not identify with any religious or spiritual beliefs. Only 30%. That means that 70%, if my maths are correct, 70% do. And that 53% of those surveyed talk about spirituality and religion with their friends. And that almost the same percentage are attracted to explore spirituality when they see it firsthand lived out in people's lives, lived out in genuine faith. In this, our desire should not, to be, it should not be to be preachy to others or impose our expectations on generations that follow. Back in, nine, um, back in 1982, Sterling wrote about the importance of today's followers uh, of Jesus finding new bottles. As Sterling reflected on Matthew chapter 9, verses 14 to 17, we read these words. One day, the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus and asked him, why don't your disciples fast like we do and the Pharisees do? Jesus replied, do the wedding guests mourn while celebrating with the groom? Of course not but someday the groom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. Besides, who would patch an old, old clothing on new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the old skins would burst from the pressure, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine is stored in new wineskins so that both are preserved. With our modelling of spirituality, we need to give generations that follow permission and empower them to dig deep and to discover new personal and culturally meaningful ways for them to express what it means for them to be in a relationship with Almighty God. Think of your own family for a moment whether you um, are a child or whether you're a parent, whether you've got siblings, cousins, whatever it might be. And think about the different ways that you show love. There's a book, Five Love Languages, which talks about a whole range of different ways that people show love to others. And we need to actively encourage generations that follow to find valid, appropriate ways for them to show love to Jesus. 
You know, sensory worship is something that excites me. Sight, smell, taste, touch. The Israelite worship was sensory worship. You can imagine coming in to the temple area where the, the worship practices were being held and there would be this plume of smoke going up into the sky and there would be the smell of almost like going to a barbecue with this meat roasting on the fire. Then there would be the smell of freshly baked bread as flour and different sorts of offerings were made on the fire as well. And then the smell and the aroma of wine being poured out as well. It was sensory stuff. Banners, flowers, aromatic oils, bread, wine, song, silence, laughter, tears, softness, texture. We need to rediscover the healing of public confession Fasting, solitude, meditation and silence. Not doing more, but probably doing less. For parents and grandparents today, for aunts and uncles, what is it like for you to talk about your faith, your relationship with Jesus? Today, I believe the Australian church is dealing with the consequences of misunderstanding that a personal relationship with Jesus is a private relationship with Jesus. This is never what Jesus wanted. We need to rediscover afresh and gently re-engage by having spiritual conversations with children and grandchildren, asking them questions and helping them to discover how they can engage with God. To be prepared to pray with them, not just for them. Being open about what our relationship with Jesus is like. What you find more comfortable and what you find harder in being a follower of Jesus. If you were to ask your children and grandchildren what they think it means to be a follower of Jesus, how do you think they would answer. If I were to ask you what it means to be a follower of Jesus, what might you say? If I was to come up to you after the service and, or give you a call during the week and say, tell me about your relationship with Jesus, how might you respond? Over time, we need to rediscover culturally, culturally relevant ways to engage in spiritual language as we talk with others about matters of faith and we will grow in our ability to model our faith and model spirituality to the generations that follow. For parents or grandparents with younger children, Aletheia is interested in exploring with you times where you can gather together with her and engage in the biblical story and help you to flesh out what this means in your family story. And I'd encourage you to connect with Aletheia over this. But to each one of us here today, we have an opportunity to respond and be prepared to live out and speak out and love out our relationship with Jesus, with those that we care about. Let me pray. Jesus, we thank you for the depth and the breadth of your love for us. 
We thank you for your desire to engage with us in meaningful ways that transforms our life, that transforms our family, our relationships with others. Not to be preachy to them, but to share life and that you're an important part of our life. Jesus, I ask that you would continue to help us to be able to grow in our spiritual language, in our language that describes and defines and, and helps to explore and, and to communicate what it means for us to be a follower of you. I pray that you would give us opportunities even this week to do so. Amen. So how might we respond today? Well, there's a couple of things that I'd encourage you to consider. Um, whether you're listening on and watching on Zoom, whether you're here in the auditorium, whether you're catching up with us um, during the week. I wonder, who do you feel comfortable talking to about your relationship with Jesus? Who's someone that you know of, that you engage with, that you feel comfortable talking with them about your relationship with Jesus? And my encouragement would be to explore opportunities to talk with them this week about what it means for you to be a follower of Jesus. But not only that, my encouragement is also that a way that we can respond to that is to pray for opportunities to talk about your relationship with Jesus with your children, your grandchildren, your nieces, your nephews, your friends. Ask God, God, would you provide me an opportunity this week to talk with someone that I care about, that I love, about my relationship with you? There's going to be some music played and I'd encourage you just to jot down some names of people that you find that you can talk about your relationship with Jesus with. Who might that be? And ask God to help you have an opportunity to talk with them this week and pray for opportunities where you can talk with uh, those that you love about your relationship with Jesus. There's going to be some music played. I invite you to respond now. God bless you.